Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the September 2nd, 2021 Board of Zoning Appeals meeting. My name is Luke Mortensen, and I'll be facilitating the Zoom video portion of tonight's meeting. With me is Catherine Week, Planner and Staff Liaison to the Board of Zoning Appeals. We will work alongside the Chair to facilitate tonight's meeting proceedings. Currently, um, I should have everybody should have everybody muted um, so that we can talk through the general ground rules for tonight's meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand corner of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over that icon. This will make it easier for everyone to hear the meeting. Just remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In the menu, you can also turn your camera on or off by clicking the video icon located next to that microphone icon. For the duration of this public meeting, please keep your video on. on. If you are participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute and unmute your phone. Somewhere on your Zoom screen, you will also see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. Be aware that we will not be screen, share, screen sharing as a part of the meeting this evening. All attachments, reference materials, and submissions from the public should be included in the agenda packet. A few reminders to ensure that the provisions of the Kansas Open Meeting Act are met. Members, you must state your name and title each time you speak. Members of city staff must also state their name and title each time they speak. I would ask applicants and members of the public identify themselves each time before they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. Individuals who signed up in advance to provide public comments remotely will be called upon by name. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comment for those who are physically present. Staff will direct them to the podium to speak while following social distancing and safety protocols. That includes um, the ability to take off the mask during the um, public comment portion, but masks will be um, asked to be put back on after uh, each public comment. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. Staff will then need to announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. I'd like to remind everyone once more to please meet yourself when you're not speaking. And at this point, I will turn it over to Chair Herod to begin the meeting. Thank you, Luke. Welcome everybody to the City of Lawrence Board of Zoning Appeals. There we have uh, Board Member Weisner back. Um, at this time, I'd ask uh, staff to call the roll to see if we have quorum for me the meeting tonight. All right, Catherine Reek, staff liaison. Clark? Present. Baldy? Gardner? Herod? Here. Rankin? Shalinski? I'm here. Weisner? Here. We do have quorum. Thank you. This is Chairperson Herod. Thank you. So, Looking at our agenda, we're moving on to section B, communications. Um, under A, acknowledge communications that come before the board. I think there was a communication to come before the board. And I think uh, one of the applicants tonight, Mr. Werner, asked if we could flip agenda items one and two under C. And he was asking if 
2C could go before 1C or C2 could go before C1, I'm sorry. So anyway, um, I don't have any problem with that, but that is up to the board. And I think we would need to have an affirmative vote in order to rearrange the agenda in that manner. So if you guys wanna make that motion, we would vote on it. If no one makes the motion, then we'll just proceed with the agenda as presented. This is board member Clark, so moved. All right, is there a second? Second, second right. board member Weisner. Been moved and seconded. As Chairperson Herod, I'd ask staff to call the roll. Staff liaison, Catherine Week. Clark? Aye. Herod? Aye. Shalinsky? Aye. Weisner? Aye. Motion carries. All right, so those of you keeping score, so C2 will go before C1 tonight when we move to that portion of our agenda. Once again, back to B, um, is there any disclosure of ex parte communications uh, and or abstentions for specific agenda items tonight? All right, see none, Chairperson Herod. And uh, I would ask staff, is there any agenda items that are gonna be deferred this evening? Staff liaison, Catherine Week. There are no items on the agenda that will be deferred this evening. All right, very well. So moving on to the public hearing portion of our agenda. As we just voted, we will take up agenda item C2, which is the board will consider a request for variance. This is item B21-00244. And I'll let staff take it from there. Good evening, board members. Luke Mortensen, Planner with Planning and Development Services Department. As Chair Harrod just noted, public hearing item two, now public hearing item number one, is a two-part variance request for the property addressed as 300 Elm Street. The first variance request is a reduction in the required off-street parking load for two proposed uses. The request is a reduction of four spaces to zero spaces for a proposed retail sales general use. The other parking request is a reduction from two spaces to zero spaces for a proposed non-ground floor dwelling use. This results in a total reduction of six off-street spaces to zero off-street spaces. The second variance request is to reduce the required gross floor area of a mixed-use structure developed with non-residential uses from 50% to 30%. 33%, excuse me. This standard is located within section 20-517 of the Land Development Code. This variance would allow a larger portion of the proposed mixed-use structure to be developed with a, the desired non-ground floor dwelling unit than what is currently permitted by the code. I'll begin with the criteria. And as you guys are aware, um, criteria number one um, centers around uniqueness. According to the Douglas County records, the subject property was constructed in 1900 prior to the adoption of zoning or off-street parking standards in the city of Lawrence. The subject property was also platted and recorded in 1866 prior to the adoption of zoning and off-street parking in the city. This request stemmed from the applicant's desire to establish a retail sales general use in the existing structure and a non-ground floor dwelling use as part of a proposed vertical addition. Both uses are permitted by right in the CS Commercial Strip District. However, both uses have required off-street parking loads that cannot be provided um, by the subject property. 
Since its platting, the subject property's boundaries have been reduced and altered numerous times and have resulted in physical conditions that are unique when compared to others in the same zone or district. Approximately 1,831 square feet of area were condemned and removed from the subject property in the late 1960s as part of the land procurement process for the Kansas River levy. The condemnation resulted in the subject property's area roughly matching the footprint of the existing structure. A small portion of the vacated North Third Street right-of-way was absorbed by the subject property. However, this was an area of only about 560 square feet. The condemnation and removal of large portions of the subject property resulted in a condition of uniqueness based in platting that is not created by the applicant. On to criteria two, which focuses on potential adverse effects upon adjacent property owners and residents. Staff believes neither variance request would restrict or remove the adjacent property owners or residents from their continued operation of their existing land uses. Criteria three focuses on unnecessary hardship. I'll begin with the off-street parking request. The applicant intends to maintain and enhance the, the existing structure. That makes it virtually impossible to provide code compliant off-street parking on the property. There are very few land uses within the land development code that do not have off-street parking. They are listed in the staff report. Additionally, there are they, the proposed uses, or excuse me, the uses that do not have an off-street parking requirement would be generally incompatible with the existing structure and the surrounding area. The reduced land area and the desire to maintain that existing structure may make it impossible to operate a conforming land use on the property and may interfere with the property owner's basic rights. In staff's opinion, this may constitute an unnecessary hardship. Staff does not believe that compliance with the non-residentially developed floor area standard, that's the second variance, constitutes an unnecessary hardship. The non-ground floor dwelling unit use is permitted in the CS district and could be established as long as it does not exceed approximately 840 square feet in area. This is based on the applicant's indicated amount of floor area dedicated to the non-residential use and the dwelling unit's staircase access area. City of Lawrence Building Safety Division staffers have, noti have noted that there are no dwelling unit size standards based in the building code other than the requirement that a room be at least 70 square feet in area. This variance is a design preference and not an unnecessary hardship. Compliance with the land development code does not bar the establishment of this desired land use. Criteria four concerns the ad potential adverse effects on the public health safety, morals, order, convenience, prosperity, and general welfare. Staff does not believe the proposed off-street parking variance will adversely affect those above listed items. The variance request is for six spaces only. A future land user with a higher off-street parking load would be required to obtain a separate variance or find a way to provide that parking on site. Additionally, based on the subject property's location adjacent to the levee trail, it is reasonable to ex expect a portion of the future retail user's customers will reach the site via walking or biking, which may reduce the impact of vehicles parked in the adjacent city-owned lot or within the Elm Street right-of-way. Conversely, staff believes the proposed floor area variance may adversely affect those above listed items. An increased residential area may result in additional bedrooms. 
Parking for non-ground floor dwelling units is based off bedrooms. A larger area dedicated to residential uses could result in a residential parking load that does not conform with this requested parking variance and may not be able to be absorbed by the surrounding neighborhood and Elm Street right-of-way. The fifth criteria concerns uh, compliance with the general spirit and intent of the code. Excuse me one sec. The Land Development Code, and specifically Article 9, understands that parking loads and patterns may differ based on a property's land use or surroundings. Staff does not believe that granting the parking variance would be opposed to the general spirit and intent of the code. The variance will allow a vacant structure to be utilized for a productive use. Additionally, the nature of the subject property and the surrounding CS district align more closely with the adjacent and denser CD, that's the downtown commercial district, that's across the river um, in the downtown area, uh, more than the traditionally developed CS areas where off-street parking is more easily provided. Alternatively, staff does believe the proposed floor area variance is opposed to the general spirit and intent of the code. Section 20-517 of the Land Development Code is the um, floor area standard and restricts how much area can be developed with a residential use. The intent of this code section is to maintain predominantly commercial land uses within commercial zoning districts. It does not restrict residential uses completely. However, it requires their integration into mixed use structures so that existing commercial areas can continue to house commercial uses. Finally, the residential use is already permitted by right. Staff believes that granting the floor area variance will grant a benefit to the applicant that is not available to other property owners. To conclude, staff recommends approval of the variance request to allow the applicant to reduce the required off-street parking for a proposed retail sales general use from four spaces to zero spaces and to reduce the required off-street parking for a proposed non-ground floor dwelling unit use from two spaces to zero spaces for the property address as 300 Elm Street. Secondly, staff recommends denial of the variance request to reduce the required gross floor area developed with non-residential uses from 50% to 33% for the property address as 300 Elm Street. With that, um, I can stand for questions and um, Paul, the applicant is with us tonight as well. Thank you, Luke. This is Chairperson Herod. Um, any board members have any questions for staff? All right, I don't see any questions for staff. So I would ask if the applicant wants to uh, give us some information, I'd invite him to do so now. Thank you so much. Uh, Paul Werner with Paul Werner Architects. Um, Luke, thanks for the uh, excellent job on the report. Um, the chairman, thanks for uh, rearranging the agenda. Thought uh, maybe it'd be easier to start off with uh, something a little a little easier tonight. So uh, I appreciate that. So um, obviously we're we're ecstatic with the um, staffs in agreement with the parking. Um, you, you've all seen the site. It's a tough site. There's not much there. Um, we think six cars to zero works. Um, we obviously need to renovate the building. It's been um, shut up for, for many years and it needs a lot of work um, and, and we're excited about it. Um, we're, we are a little disappointed um, that staff couldn't agree with us on the, the variance for the, uh, 
the one unit. Um, so I'm a little confused on um, when you read the report, um, it hints that the, the problem with staff's concerned that that may give us the opportunity to build two units, which um, as the staff report also points out, we, we would not have enough parking to occupy the first floor and to occupy uh, two more units. Um, we design a lot of apartments in town. Um, eight, 840 square feet may sound like an okay two bedroom unit. That's that's probably borderline um, um, the reasonable size of a one bedroom apartment. Um, you know, this is a pretty cool opportunity. North Lawrence is pretty hot right now, um, right on the levee overlooking downtown. We want to renovate the first floor and we want to build something really cool on top of it. Um, so as I look at it, um, we are still, we're committed to a two bedroom unit. Um, most of the most recent apartments we have done, uh, leaving student housing out of it, um, the fringe and some of the bigger apartments out west are actually over 1200 square feet. Um, so it, it doesn't seem, it seems 840 square feet really limits the project. I think, you know, this is another good example of why infill is so tough. Um, I'm actually not sure that there is a mixed use CS project that has ever been built that has used um, the ratio that's shown. And for, for never having a CS project, built as mixed use in the last 15 years. I kind of think maybe that leads to, to show that maybe something's wrong with the ratio. Um, we just don't have any opportunity to expand the first floor because of how small the lot is. Um, I think any other CS structure, um, for the most part, may have that opportunity that we just don't have. Um, they are right, Lucas right, that. Um, Building code wise, you can have a bedroom that's seven by 10, 70 square feet is, um, is a little tough. And it just, uh, it just doesn't seem like that's gonna prove out to be a successful project. Um, so we're ecstatic with the parking. I'd really like you to consider um, the change of the ratio. And, you know, maybe while we're sitting here talking, um, Maybe it's not about the ratio. Maybe we just limit the um, non-ground floor living area to a 1,200 square foot two bedroom apartment. Um, maybe that may be, I'm just throwing that out there, maybe more appealing if uh, staff's concerned about what we may want to do. And maybe that's not, not as much about the ratio as maybe it's about um, designing the, the correct size two bedroom apartment um, overlooking the levee and overlooking downtown. Um, that's what we'd like to do. Uh, you know, infill's tough, um, but we, we look for your support. Uh, happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Werner. This is Chairperson Herod. Does any uh, board members have any questions for the applicant? Uh, board member Shalinsky, I just want to make sure that um, I understand this because the um, volume of the audio was modulating a little bit and it was a little bit soft, at least on my connection for part of it. 
Um, it is your intention to renovate into a ground floor commercial use and then to have a two-story addition uh, that would consist of one two-bedroom apartment. Do I understand that correctly? Uh, that is correct. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Is that audio, is that sounding better? Or? Yes. It does. Yes. It sounds good. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Werner. This is Chairperson Herod. I think Board Member Clark had a question. Nope, Board Member Clark passes to... <laughs> no one, no one there to catch the pass. So anyway, does any board members have any other questions for the applicant? No, seeing none. Um. Well, yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm just gonna again clarify. Um. What I heard was that you would be willing to um amend the well i don't know if it would be this application or some other document uh to restrict this to a 1200 square foot two-bedroom apartment as opposed to um more than one unit or one unit with a greater number of bedrooms is is that what i heard um and after mr. reading warner, the report mr warner before you go too far there um let me have a point of clarification staff we're not really in a position to be amending the application that we have in front of us do we staff liaison catherine week that's correct but um the board might ask uh, mr warner if that 33 percent is actually derived from that in, in anticipated square footage that they're trying to achieve. That may be where the 33% number came from. And so that might help clarify the ask for you if, if that's what you're looking for. I'll just toss that out there for <laughs> the applicant. If he wants to answer any or both of those questions, that would be great. Um, I, I will. So um, Paul Warner, Paul Warner Architects, um, Uh, I'll come back to amendment if that's the right word. We would be willing to limit it to a 1,200 square foot two bedroom unit, um, which is actually less than what 33% ratio would provide. If one third of that building was commercial at approximately 900 square feet, then the other two thirds would be a, could be approximately 1,800 square feet, which would be a rather large um, two bedroom unit. Um, so I do think the board, and I don't know if I don't see Randy on here, so hoping this is going to help, but um, you know maybe that's maybe that's reducing the ratio to 40% commercial which I believe you guys are allowed to go up to what the ask is and vary from the ask of, of what the variance is. Um, I don't want to confuse it and I want to get off the subject. I mean, I would stick by 
the uh, the percentage the percentage could be higher commercial and still allow a two bedroom two story unit to be built on top of the existing one story building. Does that help? Thank you, Mr. Werner. This is Chairperson Herod. Uh, do any of the board members have any other questions for Mr. Werner? All right. Seeing none, this is Chairperson Herod. Uh, at this time, I'd open it up to public comment. Do we have anybody present or anybody in the Zoom waiting room that would like to comment? Luke Morrison, Planning and Development Services. There's nobody in the room looking to comment on this item, and I'm not seeing any Zoom comments, Chair. All right, this is Chairperson Herod. So at this time, I would be looking for a motion to close public comment and uh, move this to the board for consideration. This is board member Wisner, move close public comment. Is there a second? Board member Clark, seconded. All right, it's been moved and seconded to close public comment. I'd ask staff to call the roll. Staff is on Catherine Wake. Clark? Aye. Arid? Aye. Shalinsky? Aye. Weisner? Aye. Weisner? Aye. Motion carries. Thank you. This is Chairperson Herod. Thank you, Catherine. All right. It's to the board now for consideration. I would just lead off by saying that. Um, it resonated with me personally, what the applicant, um, he had a couple comments um, within his application regarding infill development. And I think it's important to note for our situational awareness that we do have, you know, I think it's a year old or a little bit more, plan 2040, our comprehensive plan really does put an emphasis on infill development trying to make you know, neighborhoods walkable, trying to you know, kind of mix stuff into neighborhoods. Um, and I would point out that as it stands right now, there are portions of our land development code that are in opposition to our new comprehensive plan. And so they're not living well with each other right now because land use code saying one thing, but yet we have this comprehensive plan that is aspirationally saying something else about infill development. My expectation is, is that our land use code is gonna be revisited and amended sometime in the near future. Um, and I would even opine, I wonder if 12 to 24 months from now, if the same proposal came back, it would be find a much Maybe find a much friendlier reception by a newly amended land use code. That's just me opining. So with that said, <laughs> does anybody have anything they want to say about uh, the, the item in front of us? Um, uh, Miss. Go, go, go ahead, Barry. Okay. Board member Shalinsky. Um, yeah, I, I guess what I would like to say is that um, in view of Chair Herod's comments, um, the staff concerns about um, doing something that would permit 
um, two units, uh, the representations of the applicant. Um, it seems to me that um, something I would be open to and that might be a really good solution to this would be to uh, approve a number somewhere uh, less than 50 and larger than 33. And I don't know how it um, pencils out. If someone has a calculator, it would be probably pretty easy to figure out. But I think that might be um, a really good approach to take here. Board Member Clark, uh, asking Board Member Solinsky to maybe expound on reasoning that you're looking for a number between 33 and 50? Um, yeah, the reason being that um, the applicant indicated in uh, his public statement that he really probably doesn't need a number as low as 33. And um, anytime we are making a variance, I think, you know, as a general rule, uh, it's probably a good idea to vary as little as possible from the code requirements that will still accomplish the purposes. Um, the other comment that I would make, uh, and this is something for which I have a lot of sympathy on the parking requirement. Um, the land that would have been parking or, you know, used for parking was taken by eminent domain. And so um, I feel like um, in that sense, as to the parking reduction, um, it is a very unique situation. And um, that is a very, very reasonable request. Uh, I think the only real controversy here is how much retail space versus how much residential. Uh, I'm willing to go over 50%, but if we don't need to go to 67, then um, let's figure out what that number really is. That's, that's my logic for what it's worth. Thank you, Board Member Shalinsky. This is Chairperson Herod. Uh, anybody else? This is Board Member Weisner. I just have a procedural question for staff. Should we um, take these two requests separately? Luke Mortensen, Planner of Planning and Development Services. Yeah, and we wrote it that way so that you could you if you were ready to, you know, go on one and discuss further in the other, you could do so. Okay, that, that's kind of what I thought. Um, Mr. Chair, I would recommend that we maybe take the first question um, or the first recommendation, maybe right. I would be happy to make a motion and, and maybe take care of that one. It sounds like we have some consensus on that one. This is Chairperson Herod. So why don't we go ahead and have a motion to bifurcate this agenda item, which is now C1, I guess staff has advised us, 
So this, it sounds like we're ready to vote on the variance regarding the parking um, requirement. I, is that what you're thinking, uh, Eric? Correct, and I would be happy to make that motion whenever yeah, go you ahead. see fit. Yeah, go so ahead. Uh, board member Weisner, I, I'll make a motion to um, recommend approval of the variance request to allow the applicant to reduce the required off-street parking for a proposed retail sales general use from four spaces to zero spaces and to reduce the required off-street parking for a proposed non-ground four-dwelling unit from two spaces to zero spaces for the property addressed as 300 Elm Street based on the requirement that it satisfies the five conditions set forth in section 20-1309 G1 of the Land Development Code. All right, that's been a motion made by board member Weisner. Is there a second? I see a second from board member, uh, Clark, board member second. Clark. All right, it's been moved and seconded to take the first question regarding parking, regarding this uh, application. I'd ask the staff to call the roll. Staff liaison, Catherine Week, I would just ask for one point of clarification. Instead of recommending approval, the language should be approve. You all Sorry. are the actual approved. That's fine. Um, so if you would be open to modifying your motion to that, then I'll take the roll. We have a friendly amendment there. <laughs> Board Member Wisner, do you accept that friendly amendment? He gives a thumbs up. That would be an acceptance of the uh, amendment language that you just proposed, Catherine. Okay. So uh, calling the uh, roll, Clark. Aye. Arid. Aye. Shalinsky. Aye. And Wisner. Aye. And the motion carries. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. This is Chairperson Herod. So let's take up the second part of this agenda item. And now we're talking about um, the percentage of residential versus retail space that the applicant is asking for. Does anybody have any discussion on that? I see board, board member Clark. Yeah, board member Clark. Thank you, Chair. Um, I, I, I appreciate the Board Member Shalinsky's comments. I, at this point, I don't, if it's a two story at 50% or what, two and a half, like a half story on the third at 33%, uh, I don't see too much of a difference there between being a full third story or a partial third story. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, it just feels like it comes down to, are we, are we going to allow this to increase and we can maybe get, if we can get past that first, then we might be willing to talk more about the specifics of the implementation. Thank you. Uh, this is Chairperson Herod. Any other board members have any other discussion or comment? I, this is Chairman, Board Member Clark, I, I'll keep going here. Uh, I, I, I drive or bike past this property every day um and as long as i have lived in lawrence it has looked like the boarded up thing that it is right now um and to see it on the property lines it, it's astounding that, that that piece of property is still standing today um just i'm sure there's all kinds of crazy requirements around that uh just in that the, the walls literally go straight up to the property lines um so uh, i'm I'm excited for the potential development here. Um, looking at the elevation, the 
the existing structure itself uh, compared to its neighbor directly to the east uh, already sits considerably lower uh, than the property to the east. Um, and so I don't, I don't have the specific elevations in front of me, but the, um, I don't know if a second story would even overlook the levy um, as opposed to a third story. And if a third story might come up closer to the elevation of the second story uh, on the property to the east that has a kind of a modern square addition uh, dropped on top of that house so that they could overlook the levy. So I am exposing a, a, a love for this neighborhood and a familiarity with it and such that like I would I would personally love to see this turn into something that's that is a, a desirable residential rental property in Lawrence. Thank you, board member Clark. This is chairperson Herod. I would simply telegraph and here I, I put this, this uh, caveat on the front that as always, I respect staff's diligence and I certainly respect their analysis and uh, recommendations. But in this case, I would advise that personally, I think that the five requirements for the, the variance we're discussing right now have been met. I would, I would, very unless somebody says really something really compelling to me i would vote in favor of it as proposed um but that's just i'm just one guy there's there's four of us here that will have to vote on this um any other comment or discussion i don't see any if that's the case there's no comment. There's no questions for anybody. And it's probably time to dispose of the question. I see uh, board member Clark. Yeah, then I, this is board member Clark. Then I would, I would move that the board approve the variance uh, as requested for the change in uh, uh, the specific, the record, the reduction in commercial use percentage uh, going from 50 to 33%. All right, there's been a motion made by board member Clark. Is there a second for the motion? This is board member Wisner, I second. Thank you. It's, this is chairperson here. It's been moved and seconded to approve the variance as requested by the applicant. I would ask staff to call the roll on this motion. Staff liaison, Catherine Week. Clark. Aye. Herod. Aye. Shalinsky. Aye. Weissner? Aye. And the motion carries. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. All right. So now we will move on to the amended agenda item C2, which is a request for and this is agenda item B-21-00243. I believe, and I would ask staff to present on this on the item. Okay, good evening, board members. Staff liaison, Catherine Week. So I'm here to present item B21-00243. This is a request from the variance is provided, um, a variance from Article 9, Parking, Loading, and Access, requiring a member, minimum number of off-street parking spaces reduced from 66 spaces down to one space. 
property is located at 1346 Ohio Street. So in analyzing the criteria, starting with uh, criteria number one, the variance um, request arises from such conditions which are unique to the property and are not created by the actions uh, of the applicant. So in analyzing this criteria, uh, just to give you some little, a little bit of background, the variance originates from the applicant seeking to expand the existing commercial use, which is Bar Lounge at 1340 Ohio Street into the property currently constructed as a congregate living residence at 1346 Ohio Street. The concept plan provided by the applicant shows that the bar used currently at 1340 Ohio Street would be expanding into the first and second floor of the proposed uh, structure. And it would include one work live unit on the east portion of the remodel. So it should be noted that this is a mixed use zoning district and both of those uses are permitted within this mixed use zoning district. This property is also in the Orient neighborhood design overlay district. So the parking requirement is, um, the, the requirement for mixed use development is not something that's triggered by the Oriad Neighborhood Design Overlay District that is being triggered by the mixed use zoning district. So this variance request is to reduce the parking as provided in the concept plan from 66 required spaces down to one parking space. That one parking space for the live work unit would be provided on site. So staff in analyzing this is of the opinion that the request for the variance is not due to a condition that is unique to the property in question and not ordinarily found in the same zone or district. In this instance, the variance is created by the applicant's action. That action being that they wish to expand the use into the neighboring property from 1340 Ohio Street into 1346 Ohio Street. And while the MU district does not uh, require expansion or redevelopment of existing properties, uh, this action by this particular owner to expand the use does require the proposed expansion and work live unit to come into compliance with parking requirements and um, comply with those requirements as part of the land development code. So there is unique factors associated with this property, that being the inability for the use and the parking to expand within the site or in the general area and that this property is also uniquely situated close to the University of Kansas along a primary pedestrian and transit corridor for the university. So staff believes that the combination of the site's location and its inability to expand or recently modify to accommodate an additional 66 parking spaces does create a unique condition. However, staff ultimately fell on the opinion that because the applicant is taking the action to propose an expansion into the neighboring property, it is not um, a unique condition for this particular site that it's action taken upon by the applicant. So staff did not feel that it met criteria number one. Criteria number two, that the variance will not adversely affect the rights of adjacent property owners. Just a point of note that at the time of writing the uh, report, there were no additional communications. From the time of writing the report to the time of uploading the packet, we did receive an additional communication for this particular item. And that communication was uploaded to the packet and included with your packet. Staff was of the opinion that the requested variance would not adversely affect the rights of adjacent property owners. Um, the, the, the rights of the property owners would still hold um, of those adjacent properties. 
and while not a right, the convenience of surrounding property owners and tenants may be affected. So even though the rights are not being impacted, staff did feel that it may have adverse effects. Criteria number three, the strict application of the provisions of the code is, constitutes an unnecessary hardship. The strict application of the parking requirements in this case would not constitute unnecessary hardship. The stated purpose of the district is to permit development that includes both residential and non-residential uses and the use of the structure for both the bar of land use and varying residential uses are permitted in that district. The zoning district allows for a variety of land uses to be located within the same structure, specifically encouraging retail uses that attract and generate foot traffic. A unique feature of the MS or the MU district is that um, there are variances, they're not called variants, they're actually called waivers, where um, give and take for certain benefits that are provided within the district can be offset by other code requirements that are not met. In this case, uh, those the staff did not feel that there was an unnecessary hardship um, due to the reason that the MU zoning district is consistent upon this entire district and that there are other alternatives potentially in the code that could create solutions for the use of mixed retail and or bar land use and the work live unit. An unnecessary hardship must be due to an exceptional condition or application of the land development code that is specific to the property and not due to general uh, not due to general zoning and district requirements. In this case, uh, the general zoning and district requirements are consistent throughout the district and the owner's request to expand use is an action taken upon by that applicant and not created by the zoning or the unique circumstance of the site. Criteria number four, that the variance desired will not adversely affect public health, safety, morals, order, convenience, prosperity, or general welfare. In staff's opinion, granting the variance may create adverse effect upon the public health, safety, morals, et cetera, while some vehicular traffic would be reasonably anticipated, and this location is principally serving surrounding university population, this uh, location is situated to take advantage of foot traffic. And while it is reasonable to assume that there will be significant foot traffic, it is also reasonable to assume that some of the patrons will be driving to the property. And a 65 space reduction request is a significant reduction and could impact on-street parking throughout the surrounding area. Staff felt that it did not meet criteria number four. Criteria number five, that granting the variance desired will not be opposed to the general spirit intent of this chapter. In staff's opinion, the degree of the variance requested would be opposed to the general spirit intent of the land development code. The location of the site is conducive to foot traffic and it's already a key pedestrian thoroughfare for existing university area foot traffic, given its proximity to the university. Staff believes a portion of the site's customers will be within walking distance, but however, the staff does believe that there will be significant visitors to the property that will drive. So in conclusion, staff is recommending the denial of the request to reduce from 66 spaces down to one. And if there are additional questions, staff would be happy to answer them. This is Chairperson Herod. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, do any of the board members have any question for staff? 
All right, I don't see any questions from the board. I'd ask the applicant if he wants to present to the board at this time. Uh, good evening again, Paul Werner, Paul Werner Architects. Um, there's a, a lot of information, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try not to relive all of it. Um, but I would start with the variance is arising from the condition of 1346. Um, it is failing. Um, we are, we do what we can to keep it um, livable, uh, but sooner or later, in our opinion, we are going to need a building permit to fix it, renovate it, install a new foundation. Um, frankly, hey, Mr. Werner, can I stop you there for a second? We're having an issue again where your computer might be modulating your voice, like it might be trying too hard to weed out background noise. And so you you like you drop out, and I don't want anybody to miss anything because I, I know you want you got information for us. I don't know what you can do about it, but is that better? If, yeah, it's really good. Sorry, um, there must, I had a fan going on in the background. So um, there you go. Yeah, thank you for stopping me. I would I would hate to repeat all this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So again, the the variance really arises from the condition of thirteen forty six. Um, the, the structure's failing, and in our opinion, we are going to need a building permit sometime and, and would, would rather sooner than later, um, frankly, for whatever goes on that site. Um, so looking at it, at, at the end of the day, um, maybe it was 15 years ago, but, but frankly, in our opinion, it's just not a great place for eight or nine or 10 kids to live. Um, there is a very crowded bar uh, to the north of it. There's another bar to the south of it. And about half a block away, there is a third bar to the east. Um, so when, when looking at the options on this corner, we just don't think a congregate residence is, is the best answer. Um, also, from the first time we were here, um, and I'll go through some of the the previous proposals, um, this board really struggled with the idea that it was the people in residences that didn't have a place to park, that were really less worried about people visiting the Hawk or the Wheel or Bullwinkles, but it was about people coming home um, and expecting to find a place to park when, when they live there. And, and we took that to heart. So. So a few years ago, we started with a variance of 120 spaces with an occupancy of 328 employees, a bigger project, and um, several, several bedrooms of a residential aspect. Um, that's when this board um, really stated that they, they were struggling with the residential component that, uh, again, residents, there's no place to park on the corner. There's no park on 14th, um, that, that that was the struggle. Um, and that I think there were several comments that still agreed at that time that the reality, a lot better than when we were in college, that the kids go into these three bars, um, not going to say everybody, but the majority of them, almost all of them, they don't drive. They walk, they take an Uber, they lift. Um, they just don't drive like they used to. Um, so we came back to the board and I actually feel the last time we were here, we were, we were a lot closer and um, 
almost in agreement. We were just discussing the occupancy and we can get to that. But so that proposal dropped the occupancy down to 240 people with the one live work unit with a provide parking space. So that one unit, as Catherine mentioned, it's, it's in the mixed use zoning. Mixed use is a requirement, um, but we would provide a specific reserved parking space for the person that lives there. So the discussion went about, hey, is, is 240 still too many? And what's the right number? Um, at that time, I want to say this correctly, we do feel that the board was a little bit misled about its options. That in our opinion, um, and I think we already discussed it a little bit, that you can take the number that we have requested and you can lower it anything. You just can't go over what we've asked for. So if we're right now, we're currently looking for 66 cars to one. Um, in our mind, you can approve anything from 66 down to whatever number this board feels comfortable with. So if we need to talk about that, um, we can talk about that. Um, back to the mixed use. So the other thing that we do think that while we keep saying expansion of the Hawk, the, the reality is it is a college bar, but college kids go out um, not as much as we probably think. And they actually pick different bars to go to on different nights of the week. Um, the Hawk is not full. It's not even open most Mondays, Tuesdays. It's open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, it is not full on all those nights. Um, college kids pick um, and choose their bar of choice. And for the most part, uh, they go there one or two nights of the week. So we just try to think about what, what if there was um, like a Starbucks on the first floor? I mean, sounds neat to have a coffee shop, but we could pick a different commercial use that would be open every day, all day long. Um, and while we absolutely agree that college kids walk up 14th Street, um, but certainly something like that or a really popular coffee shop in our mind would have actually more kids driving to it than, than expansion of the hall. Um, so once again, so that we, we brought back a third proposal, um, we have now lowered the occupancy to 180. Um, that's what gets us. So it's 180 would be 60 cars plus employees, plus the live work unit gets us to the 66 number. Um, again, we think most of these kids almost all of them are already in the area or are already attending the Hawk um, or one of the other bars. I would also like to point out that this is not our last step. If it is um, an expansion of the Hawk, it'll require a special use permit through the planning commission and the city commission. So there'll be another hearing. Um, if it is a coffee shop or something like that, based on the occupancy, it'll still require a site plan. Um, so there, there are other steps that have to get done. But what I'm hoping at the end of the night is that we can come up with some number of what is a reasonable reduction in parking on a very difficult site. Um, I'm still not quite sure how it's not unique um, 
It's surrounded by three bars. It's on the corner. There are no places to park on the street. Um, the staff report mentions some ways to share parking and off-street parking, which is all great. We do it all the time when we can, but the mixed-use zoning has so many restrictions on when you're allowed to share parking. And it's not about just how far away it is. It's about how far away it is and what's it zoned. So as we looked at it the last time, there are just not a lot of options for, um, for really anything. So I'm hoping we're having a discussion about what's the number. Um, we still think the expansion of the bar um, is probably the least impact on any of the area, um, surrounding area or other residents. Um, so this number could probably go either way, but I want everybody to realize it. So the, the occupancy of the Hawks is almost a thousand people. It's just, it's like 998 people. So while 100 occupants or 140 may seem like a lot, there, when the nights it's really busy, there are already a thousand kids um, next door. Um, you saw the pictures the last time we were here. We can't screen share tonight or I'd, where you at with some of those. So um, we do think this is the best answer. Um, it gets the structure rebuilt. It fits the zoning. Um, you know, if the 180 occupants is still too big, I'd, you know, I'd really like you to consider a different number, but let, let's try to um, you probably don't want to see me again on this item, so let's try to figure out what that number is, and um, then we can figure out what to build and how to get that done. That's our hope. So happy to answer any questions. Um, I know there's a lot there, um, but thank you. Thank you, Mr. Werner. This is Chairperson Herod. Does anybody on the board have any questions for the applicant? I don't see any questions right now, so I would open this up to public comment. Is there anybody present or anybody in the Zoom waiting room that wants to speak on this agenda item? Luke? Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Luke Morrison, Planning, Planner, Planning Development Services. There's nobody in the city commission room to talk about this item, and let me just double check here. Nobody on Zoom, Chair. Thank you, Luke. This is uh, Chairperson Herod. Um, uh, since we don't have anybody from the public to comment, I would uh, ask the board if they want to close public comment and bring this back to the board for consideration. This is board member Wisner. I move we close public comment. Is there a second? Member Shalansky, I second. All right, so it's been moved and seconded to close public comment. I'd ask the staff to call the roll. Staff liaison, Catherine Wheat. Clark? Aye. Herod? Aye. Shalinski? Aye. Weisner? Aye. Motion carries, thank you. This is Chairperson Herod, thank you, Catherine. So it's to the board, discussion, comments, questions. Person, can I make a procedural comment? Uh, Catherine, go ahead. Uh, so I just want to clarify uh, when legal notices go out for the uh, Board of Zoning Appeal items, 
it is correct that you could vary a request to be less than what was posted in a legal notification. You could not create a variance that is greater than what is posted in the legal uh, notification. What I will say um, about the Board of Zoning Appeals role, I am not sure that they are intended to design or come up with a number um, to then have the applicant respond with a design to fit a variance. Um, the variance process is intended to be evaluated based on proposal applications that are submitted to the Board of Zoning Appeals for request. Um, so I would just caution you in proceeding on making a variance um, without having a design concept that is before you to evaluate whether or not the variance is constituted or not. Thank you, Catherine. This is Chairperson here. Once again, up oh, we have Board Member Clark. Yeah, this is Board Member Clark, and I just I just wanted to thank staff for that point. Um, I, I don't think any of us enjoy that burden, and I think we should avoid that. Chairperson Herod, anybody else? There's no discussion, no questions, no comments. Um, well, this is uh, Board Member Shalinsky, and um, my concern, my principal concern, has not change since the last time we um, dealt with this item. That concern is that um, this is a densely populated area and it is a densely parked area. Um, I drove through there this morning uh, actually like early afternoon, uh, maybe like kind of over the noon hour. So not a particularly busy time in that neighborhood uh, and a time when people are away from their homes. And in that block, there were uh, five empty parking spaces. Um, you could go through there a lot of times and there would be less than that. So um, anything that is gonna put more people there and yet no place to put their cars is of concern to me. Um, uh, and <laughs> Believe me, I'm not unsympathetic to the concern that um, the property is in need of um, renovations and anything that's done there, uh, this issue could come up, but it seems like 
expanding the need for parking uh, is a concern that number one number two i guess i see an inconsistency here that on the one hand we're told that a lot of times the space isn't full anyway but on the other hand the space needs to be expanded um you have to look at um you know uh, a game day or whatever uh is going to cause the maximum occupancy and what is that going to do to the neighborhood and um there's just not room for 66 cars or Mr. chairperson herod thank you for your for your insights board member shalinsky i would um i think i would clarify i think what the applicant said was that I think his quote was, I even wrote it down, congregate, congregate residential isn't the best answer for the property in question. And that could very well be true. I think it's a statement that's well taken. I think another statement that's well taken is more and more we have the patrons of, say, you know, the Hawk are, you know, they can get there by means other than driving themselves. And that's great. I mean, that's a big shift from when I was in college here. But we're not all the way there yet. We're not New York. We're not San Francisco. We're driving just as an option. It's, in fact, you know, a bad idea. We're not there yet. And so we're just confronted with this situation where, you know, I can trade, I think it's what, nine apartments in here, something like that, for hundred plus patrons at this place and the neighborhood has spoken out over and over that just it, it it would be an overall intensification of the use of that property and staff spoke to that as well in their analysis that and i just i don't know how to square this circle um for the applicant you know to do something that might be um, uh, a more, I don't know, just a more consistent use of what's actually going on there with that property, but it just, it comes with an intensification of, of usage and resulting need for parking or a variance from the parking. You know, how, how do you, how do you get there? And it still remains, it still remains a real issue. And I don't know what the solution is. Go ahead. Board member, board member Clark, I'm just echoing the complexity of the situation and the number of factors at play here. I feel like the board in general often tries to propose a solution to help the applicant kind of reach their desired goal, but this this is so complex that I I couldn't justify, I don't think given the amount of information that's been presented to me thus far, I don't think I could justify any decision that I could reach in my own mind. Um, and so my my inclination is that this is this is something that that exceeds kind of maybe the desired reach of the board. Um, and so I think 
barring some new information that isn't being presented yet. Uh, I just, I can't see past the five items uh, magically getting um, greenlit in my book. Yeah, thank you, Board Member Clark. This is Chairperson Herod. I mean, I do, I struggle with, I, I struggle with number one, with number two. Um, I don't know, number three, it's, I don't know, the, the, the applicant has really kind of grown their business to a point where it's becoming a hardship, but I don't know it started off that way. I really, I'm struggling with many of the criteria that we would have to find in order to allow this variance. Um, do any other board members have any uh, comments or questions or anything? This is board member Wisner. Um, I, I maybe struggle a little bit less than the other board members on coming to the conclusion that, that this does meet the five conditions. Um, I, I was one of the people um, who heard this case both times, I believe. Um, and at the last meeting, my, my really my only concern and why I didn't vote for it or I, I supported the denial was because of the parking for the residential use. And I appreciate the applicant coming back with a revision to this plan to address that issue. Um, I, I do appreciate the board members' um, concerns here, but I think there are some definite issues with the location that, um, in my opinion, could could allow for the five conditions to be met. But I'll leave it at that. This is Chairperson Herod. Um, so we're really at a point where it seems like Board Member Clark and I are kind of leaning towards denial. And if I'm wrong, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not woodshedding you. I guarantee you that um, you're not even in the room. <laughs> so, you know, if board member Weisner or board member Shalinsky have, you know, some, some idea or something to, to move us towards an approval, now would be the time to say something or otherwise, uh, I don't know if it's time to call a question or not. I'm certainly not forcing you to uh, abandon discussion yet? Um, this is board member Shalinsky and um, I'm going to make a motion that we deny the request for the variance. Um, I'm not unsympathetic to the situation, but um, I don't I don't think the criteria are met and uh, I don't think the number is one that the neighborhood can absorb. All right, it's been moved to deny the request for variance. Is there a second to board member Shalinsky's motion? Board member Clark, second. All right, it's been moved and seconded to deny the, the variance requested. I'd ask the staff to call the roll. Staff liaison, Catherine Wheat. Clark? Aye. Arid? Aye. Shalinsky? 
Aye. Weissner? No. Motion carries, thank you. Thank you, Catherine. And thank you to thank the you. applicant for joining us tonight. Thank you guys, thank you. So we're now moving on to C3 on our agenda, which is titled B-21-00290. And this regards a property at 1134 Delaware Street. I think we have that applicant with us here tonight. Is that right? That's correct. Right, great, thanks for joining us. I'd ask staff to uh, present on this issue. Staff liaison, Catherine Week. Good evening again, board members. Catherine Week to present item B-21-00290, which is a request for a variance from section 2601A for the front setback in the RS5 single dwelling residential district. This request is to reduce the front setback from 20 feet to 18 feet, and the property is located at 1134 Delaware Street. So a little background on this property. So this subject property was plotted in 1867, and the current residence on the parcel was constructed in 1937, according to Douglas County Appraiser's Office. At the time of the residence construction, the city of Lawrence had adopted zoning via the 1935 zoning code. And at that time, the property was zoned U1, which dwelling house district. The setback requirement was that any building hereafter constructed shall provide for a front yard, the minimum depth of which shall be at least 20% of the lot depth. And that resulted in 25 feet. Now keep in mind, there's a difference between front yard as measured and front setback. So the depth of the plotted lot being 148 feet, 20%, would have been 29.6 feet. Therefore, the front setback would have been, or the front setback would have been the 20, front yard, sorry, would have been the 25 feet. It was also listed in class A for height districts. In that class, the height class district required that front setbacks to be 20 feet as measured from the zoning boundary, streets or alleys. And the location of the structure met and exceeds the setback requirement of 20 feet as measured from the street and zoning boundary. That street and zoning boundary is different than the lot line. Currently, the structure is approximately 35 feet from the Delaware street line. With the adoption of 1966 zoning ordinance in April 1966, the property was rezoned to RM1 and then was rezoned again in 1968 to RS2. Throughout the rezoning, oh, and then again in 2006 to RS5, apologies. And throughout the rezonings, that 20-foot required setback remained. So that measurement baseline has changed with the adoption of the new code. Current measurement from the property line to the structure is 18 feet. So based on the information available for the site and the structure, staff believes that the residence was constructed in accordance with the applicable development standards at the time, and therefore that existing structure would have been conforming. Giving these findings, staff does feel that criteria one has been met. In staff's opinion, criteria two, the variance will not adversely affect the rights of adjacent property owners. Staff feels that this criteria is also met. Uh, this only affects this particular property and does not have an impact on adjacent property owners' rights. Criteria three, 
related to unnecessary hardship. In staff's opinion, strict adherence to the code required building setbacks in this instance may constitute an unnecessary hardship. Due to the continued adoption of new zoning and development codes since the residence construction in 1937, the structure was likely conforming at that time when it was initially constructed. And the various rezonings and newly adopted codes were undertaken not at the request of any property owner, but by action of the city. So staff does feel that criteria number three has been met. Criteria number four, does it have any adverse impacts? Staff did not find that this granting of this variance would have any adverse impacts. Criteria five, that granting the variance desired will not be opposed to general spirit and intent of the code. In staff's opinion, approval of this variance is consistent with the general spirit and intent of the land development code. Granting the requested variance is consistent with previous findings of the board and it's also consistent with the spirit of the development code. Granting the variance request would permit the continued use and renovation of the existing residence while also ensuring that the needs and protection of the public are maintained. In conclusion, staff is re recommending approval for the reduction of setback from 20 feet to 18 feet for the rebuilding of the front porch and its existing footprint. And I'd be happy to stand for any questions. Thank you, Catherine. This is Chairperson Herod. Does anybody have any questions for um, staff on this issue? I don't see any questions. Uh, I had uh, asked the applicant if you want to say anything to us about it. He's advising no. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, <laughs> I'd ask the board if you want to uh, close public comment and bring this to the board for uh, consideration. Board member Shalinsky, I move we close the public hearing. Board member Clark, second. All right, it's been moved and seconded to close public comment. I'd ask staff to call the roll. Staff liaison, Catherine Wheat. Clark. Aye. Herod. Aye. Shalinsky. Aye. Weisner. Aye. Motion carries. Thank you, Catherine. This is Chairperson Herod. All right, it's before the board now. What is the will of the board? Uh, board member Shalinsky, I move that we approve the uh, Variance request to reduce the front setback from 20 feet to 18 feet in order to allow the uh, renovations of the front porch of the structure. Board member Clark, I second that motion. All right, very good. It's been moved and seconded uh, to approve the variance as requested by the applicant and as recommended by staff, I'd ask staff to call the roll. Staff liaison, Catherine Wheat. Clark. Aye. Arid. Aye. Shalinsky. Aye. Weissner. Aye. And motion carries, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Everybody, before we move on to agenda items four and five, I'd ask if we could uh, take a brief five minute recess to get a drink of water and use a little board member's room and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> no, I think we have to vote in order to adjourn. If anybody would want to make that motion, the chair would be appreciative. Do, do we need a motion on that or can the chair just do that on his own? I mean, I think the chair could adjourn or could, could adjourn the meeting briefly, but I think it'd be better if we had a motion. I move to take a five minute recess.
Move. Seconded. All right. <laughs> I just have to call the roll. Clark. Aye. Harris. Aye. Selinski. Vote with your feet. Aye. <laughs> Wisner. Motion carries. Aye. Thank you. All right. Be back in five. Thank See you, everybody. Five. looking for a fourth board member i think you'll be back with us there we go all right bedtime, bedtime story sorry guys all right i'll gavel us back uh back to order i don't think we need a motion to do that so i have that power at least <laughs> so anyway um we're on to agenda item c4 and this is styled b-21-00291 this regards uh, property at 1015 West 23rd Street, and I'd ask staff to take it away. Catherine, before I start, I'm just going to ask uh, Catherine to do something. Would you mind participants and just let anybody in? That sounds sure. All right, thank you, everybody. Good evening, board Thanks. members. Luke Morrison, planner with Planning and Development Services Department. As Chair Herod just noted, public hearing item number four is a variance from the access management standards as found in Article 9 of the Land Development Code. The specific request is to reduce the required distance between a signalized intersection and a driveway curb cut from 300 feet to 190 feet for an existing access point located at 1015 West 23rd Street. I'll jump into the criteria beginning with criteria number one, uniqueness, uh, unique conditions on site. This variance originates from the applicant's desire to establish a gas and fuel sales use in the northeastern corner of the property. Site planning standards as found in section 20-1305 of the Land Development Code allow the planning director to compel compliance with access management standards as part of the proposed gas station project. The planning director has indicated his approval of a future site plan would be conditioned upon closure of the western driveway curb cut and consolidation of the two existing West 23rd Street access points into a single curb cut, as was previously approved and noted in the staff report. This matches the previous planning director's 2017 conditional approval on a previous site plan at the subject property. At that time, public improvement plans to consolidate the two access points were agreed upon and approved. However, the site plan improvements were never completed and the access points were not consolidated. Additionally, staff recommendations were made in 2007 and in the late 1980s to remove the Western access point. Staff does not believe that the subject property has unique conditions based in platting and or zoning. The subject property is a rectangular parcel comp comprised of numerous platted lots, a portion of a platted lot and vacated right away. A minor subdivision replat to combine these lots into a single lot will be required prior to issuance of any building permits. The subject property does have more frontage along the West 23rd Street right-of-way, uh, but there are parcels along uh, this portion of West 23rd Street also with extended frontages um, that have reduced or consolidated their access points. This site has not been uniquely targeted for access point consolidation. The city considers access point closure and consolidation along West 23rd Street during most development and redevelopment application processes. 
and implementation is based off of a 2002 corridor study that was included uh, with a link uh, within the staff report. This study supports the access management standards that have now been adopted into the land development code. Criteria two addresses adverse impacts on adjacent properties. In staff's opinion, the requested variance would not adversely affect the rights of adjacent property owners or residents. Maintaining the existing driveway curb cut would not restrict adjacent properties from continued operation of their existing land uses. Providing the required spacing standards does not, oh, excuse me. Criteria three, uh, as you know, concerns unnecessary hardships. Staff does not believe that requiring the applicant to comply with the code required 300 foot spacing requirement will interfere with the applicant's basic right of property ownership and will not deprive the property owner of their property without compensation. There are existing access points to the Naismith Drive and Alabama Street's rights-of-way that will not be affected by the consolidation of the West 23rd Street access points. Providing the required spacing standard does not constitute an unnecessary hardship. Staff has not received convincing proof that denial of this requested variance would restrict or remove the applicant's ability to continue to operate a code-compliant food and beverage retail sales use or to establish a code-compliant gas and fuel sales use. Criteria four considers the effects on public health, safety, moral, order, convenience, prosperity, and general welfare. In staff's opinion, granting this variance may adversely affect the above listed items. Maintaining and memorializing the high number of driveway curb cuts along an arterial street right-of-way may jeopardize vehicle and pedestrian safety. The required distance between a signalized intersection and a driveway curb cut is intended to function as an acceleration zone for vehicles moving through the intersection. Eastbound vehicles along West 23rd Street turning into the western driveway curb cut of the subject property um, drastically slow traffic as there's no deceleration lane as was included in the 2017 approved consolidated access points plan. Reducing the number of intersections between private driveways and the public right-of-way will reduce the opportunity for vehicle collisions or vehicle and pedestrian collisions. Limiting access points reduces the exposure of bicycles and pedestrians to potential crashes. This is especially true for the West 23rd Street corridor as it has developed with a significant number of commercially zoned lots that are shallower, narrower, and smaller in area than most CS commercial strip district lots. Finally, the proposed gas and fuel sales use may increase the vehicle traffic to the subject property. Providing a consolidated access point with eastbound deceleration and turning lane per previously approved plans may reduce the likelihood of adverse events. Criteria five considers the general spirit and intent of the code. It is the intent of the land development code to bring properties and structures into or towards compliance over time with varied levels of development and redevelopment. This is especially true for properties that were developed prior to the adoption of the detailed access management standards as provided by Article 9 of the Land Development Code. A denial of the requested variance would compel the applicant to follow through on previously approved access point consolidation plans in order to attain, obtain an approved site plan. A consolidated access point with deceleration lane would increase vehicle and pedestrian safety along West 23rd Street right-of-way 
A consolidated access point would uphold the purpose and intent of the parking, loading, and access management standards. This code provides relief mechanisms via the city engineer waiver and access management from the access management standards or a planning director waiver from the site planning standards. Neither the city engineer or the planning director approved requested waivers from the applicant. It is the city engineer and the planning director's intent to follow the adopted access management standards uh, as well as the site planning standards and to bring the uh, subject property towards compliance. To conclude, staff recommends denial of the variance request to allow the applicant to reduce the required spacing between a signalized intersection and a driveway curb cut to a principal arterial street right-of-way from 300 feet to 190 feet for the property address as 1015 West 23rd Street. Um, and with that, I can stand for questions. I know this was a longer staff report than normal, and I believe we may have um, multiple representatives on the applicant side um, willing to speak tonight. Thank you, Luke. This is Chairperson Herod. Uh, do any of the board members have questions for staff on this issue? All right, I don't see any questions from the board. I'd ask if the applicant is present tonight, the applicant is welcome to present on this issue. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, my name is Charlie Brown. I work for Professional Engineering Consultants in Wichita. We are the agent for the Kroger Company. There are three other folks on the Zoom meeting tonight. Uh, Tom Widmeyer, Darren Lipford, and Jim Kalp. Uh, I would ask that they speak up when appropriate. Um, Again, uh, PEC company I work for, we do engineering and, and planning services for the Kroger folks. I know this, this property has been before you uh, a couple of times in various proposals. Uh, at this point, uh, the, the fuel center that is desired at the northeast corner of the property of the parking lot is triggering this requirement. As um, far as I know, uh, and I, I've been with PEC for about eight years, I got involved with a little bit of the previous case. I think Darren may have more history on this than, than I, so I'm asking that he speak up when, when needed. But uh, the area, the, the the code says 300 feet, the, the larger of two of 300 feet or the area of influence. The area of influence is down, in this case, downstream of the signalized intersection. Um, the international traffic uh, transportation ITT code calls for uh, area of influence of 195 feet based on a 35 mile an hour speed limit. Uh, this particular driveway location, uh, we're basically right at it. We're, we're 190 feet and that's the reason for that dimension is, uh, but we're basically we're, we're right at the ITT standard of 195 feet based on a 35 mile an hour speed limit. The 300 feet, um, I, I really don't know where that comes from. I'm sure the city traffic engineers have, have reasoning for that. Uh, 
but I don't I don't particularly know myself. I am not a traffic engineer. I'm, I've been coached a little this afternoon from our traffic engineering folks. Uh, perhaps the 300 feet is an arbitrary number. We, we don't know that. Uh, that particular uh, driveway is uh, what we call a three-quarter movement. It is right in, right out, and left in. There is no left going out of that driveway. Um, we actually feel that perhaps the, having two driveways with the parking configuration that we have uh, might actually be safer than having one centralized driveway uh, that is going to create a little bit of congestion. Drivers tend to get a little antsy and get a little impatient when there's more congestion and perhaps would uh, take some chances of, of hitting those gaps in the, in the 23rd Street tra traffic more than they would in, at, a, at a, a less busy intersection. So um, we're requesting again that that driveway ret be retained in its existing location. Uh, we don't have any traffic accident data on this. I'm not sure the city does, perhaps they do. Uh, and we don't know whether this is a, a really dangerous intersection or not, but uh, we feel like the one centralized location might be a little too congested for the size of the commercial property. And again, we're asking to, to be able to retain the two driveways and, and thus the request for the variance. I'll let uh, Darren or Tom or Jim speak up at this point. Uh, Mr. Chairman. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, um, members of the board. Uh, my name is Jim Kalp. I'm, a, I'm an attorney over in Topeka uh, doing some work for Dillon's on this project. And uh, I just wanted to add a, a couple things, uh, not to be repetitive of what's in the uh, application materials that are in your packet. But, uh, you know, I think Dillon's understands that the, the city's desire to, to reduce access points on 23rd Street. We, we get that. Um, and we also understand how the city is going about doing that. You're, uh, you're pursuing your policy by uncompensated regulatory takings instead of any kind of compensatory taking uh, by the exercise of eminent domain or, or an outright purchase of the, of the access point from the owner. Um, we, we see that, we understand that, um, but we believe that in this case, the denial of the requested variance, a variance to allow the status quo to continue, which is a bit unusual in my experience, uh, but we're, we believe that the denial of the request of variance is not going to be in the public interest um, for, for the folks in, in, in Lawrence. Um, the improvements to the property that, uh, that Charlie mentioned, uh, uh, that new investment, that new capital investment that is going to be used to, to help keep this grocery store competitive, um, and, the, and the reduction of impervious surface 
in the road in the floodway, which is mentioned in the agenda material, those things aren't going to happen without the variance. Uh, I've been told, it's my understanding, that uh, the property owner, and again, Dillon's is not the property owner, Dillon's is a tenant, but the property owner is not going to allow the loss of an access point. That's a diminution of the value of the property, and, and we understand the, uh, the landlord's position. So not to, not to speak the obvious, but I will, denial, Mr. Chairman, denial of the variance is not going to eliminate uh, one of the points of access on 23rd Street. Uh, denial of the access, uh, denial of the variance, I'm sorry, denial of the variance is just going to maintain the status quo. There are going to be two access points that are going to continue to serve this property, regardless of whether you grant or deny the variance request. So um, it is a, uh, that's, that's the situation in a nutshell, Mr. Chairman, members of the board. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Kalp. And it looks like we also have a Darren Lipford. Darren, do you want to say anything? Yes, I'm the uh, construction manager for the Kroger Company in the Mid-Central Region, which is the area we operate in here in Kansas. Um, a few years back, um, the Kroger Company ended up um, selling off one of our fuel center, our SPG group, and the quick shops and stuff. So our company is no longer affiliated with uh, that group anymore. What they were doing in a lot of instances is they were actually preventing us from going forward and moving and building fuel centers on some of our lots. And Lawrence is one of those stores or one of those cities where they're actually uh, were you know wanted to keep their their market strong and they considered us a somewhat competition. But now that we've digested them and sold them off we feel like we have a good opportunity uh, to put a fuel center on the south side of the city to go along and complement the one we have on the north side of the city. That would give us four stores in the city and two fuel centers for our customers. And we just feel like it's somewhat of an unfair advantage uh, for us not to have the fuel center uh, down in the south side of town and forcing all of our customers to go up to the north side just to get fuel and to redeem their fuel points. So that, that's, that's kind of what's brought this site back up to life uh, so that we could, you know, possibly um, go ahead and move forward with the fuel center, you know, if we are allowed to keep the two access points. So that's kind of what's brought this back to life. Thank you, Mr. Lipford. This is Chairperson Herod. Um, any of the board members have any questions for the applicants? I don't see any questions from the board at this time. I would ask staff if there's any public comment. There's no one here in City Hall. Is there anybody on Zoom, Luke? Luke Mortensen, Planning Development Services. There are no Zoom commenters, Chair. All right, so we don't have any public comment on this agenda item. So I'd ask the board if you want to, at this time, close public comment and bring this issue before the board for consideration. Board Member Clark, so moved. All right. Member Shalinski, second. All right, it's been moved and seconded to close public comment. I'd ask staff to call the roll. Staff liaison, Catherine Wheat. Clark? Aye. Arid? Aye. Shalinski? Aye. Weisner? Aye. 
And motion carries. Thank you. All right. It's before the board for discussion, comment, questions. Anybody? Floor is open. There's no question. I know there's got to be a comment out there. I'm sure of it. I feel it. You're going to make a liar out of me, huh? This is this is board member Clark and I hear I hear the applicants frustration um, and and being between a rock and a hard spot. Uh, unfortunately, this board is not in a position to defend or understand why the the city made the call uh, to make this a 300 foot setback or safety distance um, instead of the ITT's 195. Um, and I'm, I'm having a hard time navigating around staff's, uh, recommendations of, uh, denying the request based on the, the five criteria here. So I'm, but I'm, I'm more than open to walk through them individually or hear alternative viewpoints, just where I'm at right now. Well, this, this is, we, go ahead, go ahead, please. Oh, I, I was, I was going to concur with Nate. This is board member Weisner. Um, I'm, I, I wanna support the applicant. I'm just struggling to figure out where, what, what we can do given the, basically our limitations, it sounds like in this, um, in this particular situation, um, because we're not, I mean, we're really limited to the specific issue. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I, I'm without words in this case, because I just, I don't know what we, I'm kind of at a loss of what we can even do here. So I don't um, know, maybe. Board member Shalinski, why don't you? Well, yeah. All, all that I wanted to say is that, um, Right now, there are the two access points on 23rd Street and then access points on the side streets. So there's plenty of access to this property. And um, as long as the current site plan is in existence, um, that will continue. The city has a policy to try to um, limit access points on 23rd Street. That's been in place for a long time. And um, a new site plan would trigger that. Um, if we grant this request, um, I would just point out that that granting of the request runs with the land. 
and it lasts in perpetuity. So if um, Dylan's decides it's not in their business model to operate a store on 23rd Street anymore, just like they did at 6th and Michigan at one time, um, we still have those two access points, uh, which goes against the long-term city policy. Um, it, I understand it's not preferable to run the fuel center and the uh, pharmacy drive-through with one access point, but I'm not sure that it's impossible. So I'm just not seeing any, um, I'm, I'm not seeing where the five factors are met here. And um, so I, unless someone can articulate it for me, um, I don't believe that I, see a basis to um, grant the uh, request. Mr. Chairman? Yes, Mr. Now. Uh, Mr. Chairman, under your rules, do you allow any comment from the applicant at this point, or is this all just member discussion? Well, this is what I, I, I do is since uh, obviously you have something you want to say, then I'll ask you, hey, what would you like to tell us at this point? <laughs> and after oh, a while, if we start going round and round in circles, I might, you know, cut it off. But yeah, Mr. Cal, yeah, talk to us. Uh, thank you for, for allowing that, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Member Shalinsky, I just, let, let me go back. I, I respect what you're saying, and I understand what you're saying. The, the reality here, though, as I've mentioned before, is this is a situation, an impasse, that is not because of Dylan. Uh, we could have 10 access points on there. And if the owner of the property insisted that none of those access points be closed, um, that's that's the reality that we have as, as a tenant. Um, I really think, and I've served on a BZA before, and I've, I've represented BZAs before. There's a kind of a higher calling or a mission to, to act in the best interest of the community. Uh, you know, to, to, to serve the public. And I know you guys do that. I'm not being disrespectful of you at all, but, but the ability to identify what's in the public interest. And in this case, in our opinion, you know, the public interest, we're, we're not talking about adding a driveway. We're not talking about relocating a driveway within the 300 foot distance. It's allowing the status quo, which is gonna happen. I mean, that the two access points on 23rd are gonna happen regardless of the action you take tonight. And that's, that's, that's a hard reality. Uh, and and the, the rest of the situation is the uh, Dylan's uh, commitment to, uh, to reduce the impervious surface area on the parking lot that's within the floodway, that, that goes away if, uh, uh, if, the, if the variance isn't, isn't, uh, isn't uh, allowed. And, and that's at a loss to the public interest. So thanks again, Thank Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Kalp. Um, I bring it back to the board. Um, Mr. Kalp gave us a little insight into the applicant's thinking on this issue. Um, you know, and I also, if you've 
you know, kind of followed my thinking over the years that I've been on the board. I do appreciate the applicant talking with us about, you know, an uncompensated compensated taking. And I know from where the applicant is sitting, it kind of feels that way because, you know, the property in 1966, when it was built, you could do X, Y, and Z with it. But in 2021, you can do X and Y with it, you know, but at the same time, in this instance, we're kind of talking about also 1966. I'm not sure if, if for sure you only had to have lap belts in cars, but you didn't have to have shoulder belts at that time. You might not even had to have shoulder or lap or shoulder belts in cars. And if or it might not have been too many years before that, you didn't have to have anything in a car. It just, you know, the tide rolled as, you know, as far as, you know, just making people safe rolled on. And so, yeah, there were some changes made over time where we don't want curb cuts that close to the intersection, but then the applicant points out that maybe our regulations here in the city are a little bit stricter than perhaps some model regulations, um, you know, that are used as a standard. But yeah, there have been some changes in time where now the city would really rather have just that that curb cut be farther from that intersection there. And that's, I always try to be sensitive when I see those sort of, you know, moments where the landscape changed over the years for a property owner. Um, does anybody else on the commission or on the board have any other uh, comments or questions? If there's no comments or no questions, there's really only one place to go. This is board member Wisner. Um, I, unless there's any further comment, I would be happy to make a motion. Seeing nothing, um, I'll, board member Wisner, I move we um, deny the variance request to allow the applicant to reduce the required spacing between us. Signal intersection and a driveway curb cut on a principal or two way right of way from 300 feet to 190 feet for the property addressed as 1015 West 23rd Street. Based on the fact that it does not meet the five conditions set forth in section 20 1309 G1 of the Land Development Code. Is Board Member Clark seconded? All right, it's been moved and seconded to deny the variance request before us. I'd asked uh, the staff to call the roll on this issue. Staff liaison, Catherine Week. Clark? Aye. Herod? Aye. Shalinsky? Aye. Weisner? Aye. Motion carries. Thank you to the applicant for coming and presenting to us tonight. I appreciate Thank you. So now we move on to agenda item number five, which is styled B-21-00292. And I believe this regards a property located at 430 Maple Street. And I'd ask staff to present to us on this issue. Good evening once more, board members, Luke Mortensen, planner with the Planning and Development Services Department. As Chair Herod just noted, public hearing item number five is a variance from the density and dimensional standards 
for, for non-residential zoning districts. Specifically, the request is a reduction of the required front setback of 25 feet to 15 feet and the required rear setback from 15 feet to zero feet for the parcel addressed as 430 Maple Street. Criteria one, as you know, focuses on uniqueness. The subject property is a 1.2 acre parcel, approximately 1.2 acre parcel, that was platted as a portion of North Lawrence Block 4. It has no structures and no site planned use at this time. It's not entirely clear to staff how this property came into existence. However, it was likely removed from the adjacent railroad right-of-way for separate development at some point in time. Its size and shape are unique when compared to other IG, that's our general industrial, zoned parcels as the subject property's platting and location between the railroad right-of-way and the Maple Street right-of-way lead to a shallow parcel with significant right-of-way frontage and a buildable area that is reduced further by the required setbacks. Generally, IG zoned lots and parcels are larger and more conventionally shaped to accommodate the use standards associated with many of the land uses permitted in that IG district. Due to the subject property's shallow depth, approximately 54.2% of the parcel's area is composed of required setbacks and restricted from most forms of development. In some areas of the sub subject parcel, the building envelope is reduced to a depth of zero feet. Prior to the adoption of the Land Development Code in 2006, the subject property was zoned M3, that was an intensive industrial district. The city's previous zoning code included a setback exemption for industrially zoned parcels adjacent to the railroad right-of-way. If the railroad right-of-way had a minimum width of 50 feet, then no setback was required for the abutting industrial zoned, industrially zoned parcel. This exemption would have applied to the subject property and would have resulted in a no required rear setback for a structure or land use established prior to 2006. The subject property's long and shallow shape and required setbacks are unique condition based in platting and zoning that were not caused by the applicant. Criteria two focuses on adverse impacts upon adjacent properties. In staff's opinion, the requested variances, variance will not adversely affect the rights of adjacent property owners or residents. A reduced front setback and a reduced rear setback will not restrict or remove the adjacent property owner's rights to continue their uh, existing land uses. Criteria three focuses on unnecessary hardship. In staff's opinion, Strict adherence to the Land Development Code may constitute an unnecessary hardship. At its deepest point, the required front setback on the north side of 20 feet and the required rear setback on the south side of 15 feet would reduce the buildable depth of the parcel's deepest area to 60 feet. The depth of the buildable envelope decreases from 60 feet in the east all the way to zero feet in the west. Under the previous zoning code, the parcel had a larger, more developable area. However, the adoption of the current land development code and the current IG district setbacks may adversely affect the property owner's basic rights. Criteria four focuses on adverse impacts and effects on public health, safety, morals, order, convenience, prosperity, and general welfare. In staff's opinion, granting the requested variance will not create an adverse impact upon the above listed items. Any proposed development on the property will be subject to the site plan review process. Additionally, required side yard setbacks will be maintained along the eastern and western property lines. 
The fifth and final criteria focuses on general spirit and intent of the code. In staff's opinion, approval of this variance is consistent with the general spirit and intent of the land development code. Granting the requested variance is consistent with previous findings of the board and would permit for the development and use of an existing undeveloped parcel while ensuring that the needs and protections of the public are maintained. The subject property shape and area, as well as use standards for most industrial land uses, restrict the subject property from most high intensity industrial uses. Granting the proposed front and rear setback reductions would increase the buildable area for this uniquely shaped property. To conclude, staff recommends approval of the requested variance to reduce the required front setback from 25 feet to 15 feet. Staff recommends approval of the, of the requested variance to reduce the required rear setback from 15 feet to zero feet for the property address as 430 Maple Street. I can stand for questions and the applicant had indicated he would be with us tonight. I'm not seeing him, but but we might ask if he's with us by the uh, over the phone. This is Board Member Clark. I'd like to commend staff for the repeated statement of railroad right away, without getting their tongue twisted. <laughs> if, if this meeting went any later, that would probably not be the case. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not seeing the applicant. Um, if he joins us, um, we can get his take, but, um, but he's aware of the staff report. He was sent it last week. Well, the railroad right-of-way notwithstanding, <laughs> I would ask if there's any questions of staff by the board on this issue. All right, seeing none, uh, I don't see anybody here at City Hall for public comment. And I think Luke just advised us the applicant isn't here. And I, is there anybody um, else here for public comment? Luke Mortensen, Planning and Development Services. I'm not seeing any Zoom requests, but like I said, if the applicant does join us, we can probably ask for his thoughts. Sure, no problem. Okay, so we don't have the applicant. We don't have any public comment, so. I'd ask that the board wants to close public comment and bring this issue before the board for consideration. Board member Wisner, uh, move to cl close public comment. Board member Clark, second. All right, it's been moved and seconded to close public comment. I ask staff to call the roll. Staff liaison, Catherine Wheat. Clark. Aye. Herod. Aye. Shalinski. Aye. Wisner. Aye. Motion carries, thank you. All right, Board of Zoning Appeals, it's before you. This is Board Member Clark. I live in North Lawrence. Um, seeing this property get developed is great. I, any property that close to the railroad is uh, normally overlooked uh, and seeing that some of the setback requirements would force it uh, down to zero buildable area, um, zero usable area. Um, I think staff's uh, report is spot on in that it does meet the five criteria and um, I will I'll be voting that we uh, approve this variance. Anyone else? 
I was just waiting on a motion from board member uh, Clark. Yeah, why, why don't you make a, this is board member Shalinsky, board member Clark, why don't you make that motion? Uh, this is board member Clark. Uh, I move that we uh, approve the request uh, as stated uh, to reduce the uh, required rear setback uh, from 15 feet to zero feet uh, and reduce the required front setback from 25 feet to 15 feet at 430 Maple Street. Is there a second? Board member Weisner, second. All right, it's been moved and seconded. This is Chairperson Herod, I'd ask the staff to call the roll on this issue. Staff liaison, Catherine Week, Clark. Aye. Herod. Aye. Shalinsky. Aye. Weissner. Aye. The motion carries. All right, thank you. So on our agenda, you'll note in section D, miscellaneous, consider a waiver letter from the city attorney's office. And staff will correct me and maybe expound on this a little bit more, but I believe what this is uh, related to is I think at our last meeting, we had a um, fairly long presentation and consideration regarding um, some issues in our warehouse district. And ultimately the board voted to deny the, the request of the applicant and so it's my understanding that that applicant has gone on and filed a civil suit in the district court here in Douglas County. And so what we have before us is the city attorney's office needs to respond to that civil suit. And remember that the city and the board of zoning appeals, though they you know, are like this, they are in fact two separate entities. And so what this letter essentially does, and, and Catherine's gonna read it to you, uh, what this letter is, is saying is that the Board of Zoning Appeals you know, is aware that we're a separate entity and that we don't see any conflict with having the city attorney's office represent both the city of Lawrence and the Board of Zoning Appeals in this suit that's been filed. And so what you're doing is you're acknowledging that you know we don't foresee any conflict we agree with the city attorney's recommendation that the city attorney can represent the board of zoning appeals and we will we would allow them to do so so Catherine, can you read the letter for us yes i'll read the letter and just to let you know so there you are named as a party the board of zoning appeals is is directly named as a party which is why there's a need for the waiver letter as chair harrod has explained so this is a notice of and waiver of conflict of interest letter. In the case sty styled Flint Hills Holdings Group LLC versus City of Lawrence, Kansas et al. Case number 2021CV275, filed in the District Court of Douglas County, Kansas. The interests of the City of Lawrence, Kansas, i.e. city, and the Board of Zoning Appeals, i.e. BZA, are currently aligned. After discussing the matter with council, the city and the BZA agree that the city attorney's office will be able to provide diligent and competent representation to both parties, that such dual representation is not prohibited by law, and that the city and the BZA would have no claim against the other in the pending litigation or in any other action pending in Douglas County, Kansas. After carefully considering all possible present and future conflicts of interest, 
and having been fully informed of the potential for negative or adverse consequences arising from joint representation, the city and the BZA hereby consent to joint representation by the city attorney's office. The city and the BZA understand that at any time, they may choose to retain private independent counsel in connection with this case. Similarly, the city and the BZA understand that if the city attorney's office determines that continued joint representation will create a disadvantage to either the city or the BZA, then the city attorney's office must withdraw its representation of both parties in the case. And so basically the action you would need tonight is to vote on whether or not you would like to agree to this uh, waiver of conflict of interest letter and then the chair would sign in your behalf. Thank you, Catherine. This is Chairperson Herod. Catherine, can I have that letter? Yes. Thank you. So what I would suggest is a motion that says, uh, what would the motion be? That we consent that motion that says that we don't believe there's any conflict with the dual representation and we consent to have the city attorney's office represent the BZA in this action 2021 CV 275. That's what I would be asking the board for. Mr. Chair, can I ask a procedural question? Sure. Um, I guess this is to staff. Uh, Catherine, I wasn't at the meeting in July where this matter was in front of the board. Should I abstain from the vote tonight because of that? I don't believe you would have to abstain. If you want to abstain, you can. Uh, we had a quorum at the start of the meeting, so I believe we could still vote um, with I an abstention. I don't think you would have to, Eric. I mean, you're a member you're a duly appointed member of this board and you can consider this issue and you can decide whether you want the city's attorney's office to represent us in this lawsuit. Okay. I yeah. I, I, I was kind of thinking, I was, that meeting. I was thinking the same way. I was just, I was just wanting to clarify before I voted. So. Right. I don't think you had to be in attendance at that meeting to, you know, vote on this issue. I mean, this is essentially a different issue. It just arises from that previous meeting. Any board member have any other question or comment or motion? Anybody want to make a motion? Language of uh, this board member Clark. I believe the language used was, could you say it again, uh, Chairman, Mr. Chairman? I think what we'd look for is a motion, a motion that we, the Board of Zoning Appeals, we consent to have the Lawrence City Attorney's Office represent us regarding Douglas County District Court case 2021 CV 275 
And we do not believe that there is a conflict of interest in having the city attorney's office represent both the Board of Zoning Appeals and the city. Kind of an awkwardly structured motion, but I think it yeah. gets where we where we need to go. Uh, this is Board Member Clark. Without having that specific language in front of me, I'm going to I would move that the board uh, consent to the items stated in the chair's reading uh, and allow the city's attorney's office to represent us in this issue. Is there a second? Board member Weisner, I'll second that. All right, it's been moved and second. Staff, is that language, is that sufficient? To get yes, where we want to go. I believe that's sufficient. Basically, you're consenting to uh, moving forward with the waiver letter and lack of conflict of interest. All right. So there's been motion and it's been seconded. So I'd ask the staff to call the roll on this motion. Staff liaison Catherine Wee Clark. Aye. Herod. Aye. Shalinsky. Aye. Weisner. Aye. The motion carries. Thank you. All right, thank you. So with that, I'll go ahead and sign this notice and waiver of conflict of interest. And should I date it? Yeah, go the ahead and second date day it. of September. Mm -hmm. There it is. All right. Thank you, Travis. Yes. Um, so we've moved on to the promised land agenda item E adjournment. <laughs> yeah, I just want to mention that I believe we will have at least one item uh, next month before you adjourn and possibly a signed code item. So, and Catherine, correct me if I'm wrong, but Chair Harrod is here to sign the letter. We haven't had any more future meeting in person versus virtual news, correct? Correct. There's no update yet on our format for meetings. And I will also note that next month is election month. So if you want to ponder that in your absence until next meeting, board members will be up for officer elections. So keep that in mind. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. <laughs> can, I, can I ask one, can I ask a, just a, a, a governance question? What's what's the status, Board Member Wiesner? I apologize. What's the status of the minutes for the previous meeting? So meetings? they they are backlogged. We have lost numerous administrative staff. So currently, we have a new process for minutes, and the minutes are posted based on the Zoom. So all of the the recent meetings that we've had on Zoom and the recordings are up. It is a set period of minutes just prior to that, which I believe staff is working on um, and we'll get you updated next month as to where that stands, if you like. So there's no written minutes anywhere out there. Uh, Cause I was actually looking for that and I couldn't find it, but yeah, the, it just the doesn't current, exist. Yeah, so the current format is, if you go to the city's BZA page, you can actually click on the last meeting and you can, tab to any item you want in there, listen to the, um, the video or the audio. It's all documented in that form currently. So you can have access to the entire meeting or you can tab to individual items. But I will but get just, you an update. It's just the video though, right? 
Well, and audio. Yes. Yes, there's oh, no rhythm. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yes. There's but no can... what the decision was that we made. <laughs> that's that's all I was curious about because that's yes. I, and, okay. Yes. That's and I can get you an update you. on those back minutes if you like for next meeting. I, I was just referencing it for something tonight and I, I couldn't find it. So I, okay. but I knew we hadn't approved any minutes for a while. So I assumed that that was the case. So yep. I was just checking. All right, great. Well, with that, if anybody wants to make a motion. Board member Shalinski motion to adjourn. Second, mm -hmm. board member Weisner. Okay, this is Chairperson Herod. I'd ask the staff to call the roll on the motion. Last time, staff liaison Catherine Wee, Clark. Aye. Herod? Aye. Shalinski? Aye. And Weisner? Aye. And motions carries. All right, thank you, everybody. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. See you guys.